welcome to Four Guys in a Comic. Here's four guys who can't get enough of Power Girl. It's Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome everyone, this is Four Guys in a Comic. The fantastic four of us are back. Featuring Tap as the Thing, Rusty as Reed Richards. Nova. I was say Invisible Woman. <laughs> no, <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll give Nova, I don't know, we can yes. play uh, um, I'll be Torch. I'll, I'll, I'll go as Doom. <laughs> so that's the Fantastic Three in Doom. <laughs> oh, okay. well, the Doom's Terrific Iron. Three. The Terrific Three plus Doom. Well, Doom's <laughs> Iron Man now, so who knows what this team's called. Exactly. <laughs> no, Doom's, Doom's on, on the good side now. Oh, my goodness. So much stuff going on this last week. It's just amazing. A lot of... Uh... A lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of controversy. <laughs> yeah, flowing over from last week. Lots of announcements being made. I don't know about you guys. I think the biggest announcement that got me all excited, got my panties in a bunch, was uh, Invincible movie. Oh, I yes. I'm sure you were super stoked on that. When I read the headline for it, I was just sitting there like, okay, Red is probably at home grinning from like ear to ear. Yes. Here's the thing, though. It's gonna be adapted or whatever by Seth Rogen mm-hmm. and I think it's Adam Goldberg. Now mm-hmm. they did the Preacher AMC series. They adapted yes. that one as well. While I really enjoy the Preacher series, it is nothing like the comic. Yeah, it's very like it has like the same characters and things, but it's not following any story from the comic. It's sort of a mix match of whatever thrown in with some original stuff. So I have a feeling that don't get high, too. I, I have a feeling Invincible is going to be the same way, where it's going to be like its own take. It's yeah, not I'm, going I'm to be. I'm expecting a similar backgroundish type of story, but all the main story I expect it to be something outside of the comics for the most part. All right, who do you yeah, want to yeah. play Mark Grayson? Me. <laughs> 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 no thought. I already know. <laughs> Red Skull as Mark Grace. Rusty as Battle Beast. <laughs> ah, oh, he doesn't Battle even know Beast who that better. is. I know. Bat- <laughs> oh, I got destroyed. <laughs> Battle Beast better be in the movie. I, I know. I know. Okay. Who who who's, who here is going to be Omni Man? Oh mm. man, get the guy who um, I always forget his name. You guys keep talking. You tap. Who do you think? You're talking about our one, uh, our one-eyed alien. Uh, yeah, the what is his Alan? name? It starts Alan? with an... Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, right. you know Alan. who should play oh, Alan? Alan? Yeah, Alan? The alien. Rock. The Rock should play Alan. That'd yeah, be cool. that'd be fun. I could see that. Alan's like my favorite character. Oh, I love Alan. I see dude. Alan, Alan having to be great. CGI and voiced over. Well, you'd have to CGI the head and whatnot, I think. But, like, The Rock would be, like, the perfect Alan. He's got the grandiose. He's got, like, the, the bill. He's got everything. Just He's got the movable get... eyebrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Rock is Alan. I, I've thought that since day one. It won't happen because he's doing Shazam, but or uh, Black Adam, but. Yeah. It can happen. Right, he's it's his indie work, yeah. right? Yeah, there we go. There we go. But yeah, Invincible. I'm looking forward to it. I don't have uh, ex- expectation of being like the comic, like we discussed, but I still think it's gonna be enjoyable and hopefully bring a whole culture into the world of Invincible and get people to start reading it. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah, that's my. I think a lot more people mm-hmm. read it minus Rusty. 
then then mm-hmm. we realize I think a lot of people read Invincible. I think Rusty's yeah, actually think a about minority. it. It wouldn't go that long and last this long without it, you know, having some kind of loyal readership. <laughs> that is it. true. But think about it. A lot of the biggest things out of Image have all been Kirkman stuff. Invincible, Walking Dead, Outcast. I see a trend going on here. That reminds me. I still need to watch Outcast on Cinemax. I saw the first episode when it premiered on HBO, and I haven't seen any of the other episodes. Tap, do me a favor. Read it first before you watch it please yeah yes all right yes. it's on my list to read yeah i just i saw it on like my movie box the other day and i was like "Ooh, i still need to watch that yeah and I'm, I'm gonna tell you once you pick it up you can be like oh, i can't put it down i can't put it down it just it hooks you a line and sinker it is so i think my well wife written. would watch outcast too i think yeah. she'd really dig it she likes legion she loves oh, legion that's cool. so i think she'd really dig outcast i think it's sort of out there enough and not comic booky that yep. she would dig it but see, that was the thing. I somehow got Reagan to watch uh, Legion with me, and she loved it. So yeah, it's if different. You got like a significant other that is iffy about comic book stuff on TV. Try Legion. Preacher. Yeah. <clears throat> uh. But yeah, you know, we're talking Invincible. I know uh, Nova and I were talking a little bit ago. Skybound has Invincible uh, figures that you can get. Yep. Amazing. Action, like, cool action figures. They are so cool. Yeah, it just uh, it's just the Mark Grayson right that's available. Um, yeah, there's yeah the Mark Grayson. They have uh, him in his regular costume, and then they have the bloody version. There's also an, an Adam Eve. I don't know if it's an action figure as well. It might be a statue, but it's by Diamond Select. Yeah, the it's Adam and Eve one. I actually I think that was a, a, a San Diego or a New York Comic Con exclusive, if memory serves correctly. Maybe came across those Invincible ones when I was looking for mm-hmm. a Lion Cat statue, which uh, is also too much money uh, that I, that I'm willing to like. I'm not willing to pay that much for it. But it yeah. looks really cool. That is cool. But the uh, Skybound had a Cole, Cole's bunch of other stuff on there. I had a, a Negan uh, PP City t-shirt that I just, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see me wearing that. <laughs> yeah, I was at my local shop and I saw they had uh, three Lucille's uh, mm. available. Forty dollars, The $40 Lucille's? I was like, jeez, guys, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, I can put it together for half the cost. Give me a bat <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can find a cat in the back to give it some authenticity to it. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, yeah so much other... What are some of the other big things that you guys have uh, got really hyped about this week? Uh, I mean, there's been a few things. I think, really, I've just been following all the crazy stuff that uh, Marvel's been kind of dealing with. And um, just remember, guys... Powerful women comics. It's not the problem, right? No, no, it's it's the uh, readers. That's we're the problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's our fault. Yeah. And the, the and after the fault. readers, it's the it's the retailers. It's their fault for not pushing Marvel's books for them. Well, did you see the newest thing about the uh, X Men Gold with the artist from Indonesia? Like he was putting yeah. um, different like religious and political things in the background. Yeah, he's got like Quran scriptures in there, and there's like panels of like nightwing uh, not geez not nightwing nightcrawler who's like <laughs> nightcrawler who's like a catholic priest now or something and he's swinging a bat and the bat you can see it like kitty's sitting in the background and it's like the bats hitting her face um just crazy stuff there's there's so many like people have deconstructed that issue and there's so much bad stuff i mean they've just got to let that they've just got to let them go at this point and some of those gold variants, holy cow, have they gone up in price? Yeah, it's it's hilarious how like they're recoloring Jim Lee 
pencils and inks and mm-hmm. it's like the most expensive variant you yeah. could buy right now it's just it's bizarre oh. to me i know it's like rare printing but it's like this is crazy that people actually i don't know uh, maybe it's, it's just sixteen hundred sixteen hundred dollars for one of those things it's like come on yeah just yeah, for recolored ridiculous. artwork it's a little bizarre to me yeah, it is well you know i think that's just everyone showing that they really really want the old days of x-men back, yeah right? it's true yeah and it is the old days the storyline is basically still humanity hates us um i it's been like 50 years let's do something different let's have the x-men be accepted by people for once come on mm-hmm. it'll be cool it'll be fun turn around now the x-men don't accept the people <laughs> yeah yeah one or the other well they're yeah. gonna come back and be like why did it take this long for y'all to accept us it's too late now we're over it <laughs> you're all dead <laughs> Yeah, I read oh. Royals number one this week as well, and they've got. Um, I doubt any of you guys have read it. I don't know. Red, did you? I Check did not. Royals number one. So it's like we just had this whole Thor secret. Now Marvel Boy came to the Inhumans with a secret for them, and they're where they come from. And he's not going to tell them the secret. They have to go look at it. So that's what that series is all about now. And um, I guess I'll spoil it. I mean, Medusa's yeah. dying apparently. Uh, that's what that's the big reveal isn't everybody nowadays yeah her hair's falling out <laughs> she's like guys i'm dying it's all right she'll <laughs> the, be the back hair again. falling out is the indication bald, right? yeah. don't worry she'll be back again it, it, oh it, for sure all right it always happens that way maybe she'll team up with thanos and they'll figure out a way to live together mm. yeah thanos does love himself a bald head doesn't he yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh chrome dome so you guys getting uh, revved up for uh, secret empire Nope. Nope. I may not even read it at this point. I I don't know. <laughs> you heard about what's going to happen with it, right? I don't um, know anything. After Secret, okay, no. After Secret Empire is over, Marvel announced that they're not going to do a big event for eighteen months. Yes. Oh no, I did hear that. Yeah. No, I did yep. know that. Yeah. Eighteen whole months. Well, they said they'll do like the little mini events, like if X Men will have their own thing, you know, or maybe the Avengers will have their own thing, but there won't uh, be like crossovers, I guess. And you know what? Well, Eighteen months is a, a good time span. Uh, maybe I'll start reading Marvel then. Yeah. Well, I can't say. I keep saying maybe I'll start. Reading. I do read some Marvel. We all know I do. There's some books that I do read, but and that's because they don't have the crossover events. They're like they're single standalone books. They don't have those events, and that's why I like them. And for those of you out there that do read Marvel and also redeem those digital codes, uh, Secret Empire is having a special bonus for the insider points. And this, so we know there's going to be nine titles for the main uh, issue of Secret Empire. And when you redeem those codes, you're going to be able to pick up a thousand bonus points per code. And if you redeem all nine, they'll give you an, an additional 10,000 bonus points. Which uh, is pretty cool, considering if, especially if you want to save up those bonus points and hit that uh, seven hundred fifty thousand mark to be drawn into a Marvel comic book. <laughs> you literally have to buy everything for twelve months, be on log in daily, and do every little thing just so you can have a hope to hit that uh, that number. That's crazy. Well, the good news is Marvel's bringing back their digital copies. Yes. That was also been recently announced. Yeah. Um, yeah. They heard that fans were pissed. And so yeah. they were like, how do we gain them back? Because Marvel's uh, PR department hasn't had the best track record the last couple weeks. And uh, they're, I think they're trying to savor some stuff right now. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to, yeah. 
They, yeah, let's uh, see how it works out. There's been a lot of controversy in the world of Marvel. DC's got to be grinning ear to ear right oh, now. Of course. Laughing, laughing, laughing. You know, this whole, we're not going to do events for 18 months. I don't believe it. It's the same way, you know, DC said all of our books are going to be two ninety nine with Rebirth, and it is already three ninety nine books. So it, it's sort of like they, they can, they're going to say these things. It's sort of like, you know, whoever's running for president is going to make all these promises mm-hmm. and stuff. What actually happens is we'll have to something we'll have to wait and see. If you look at Marvel sales, like their events give them so much money. There's yeah. no way they're gonna stop for eighteen months. I don't buy it. I don't. I'd be I'll be shocked. What I'm hoping is, you know, we're gonna get the uh the focus back on the stories again, right? Yeah, that's, that's what everyone wants. I mean wants. that's what you hear every month, right? It's <laughs> I hope. That's in that's implied. That should be implied. Yeah. Captain America and Hydra are pretty big t- these days. You know, Nick Spencer's working on it. So, uh, I don't know. I'm actually beginning to get high hopes, it's, which is sad to say because I always get disappointed <laughs> with events. But I figured this event would be, like, right up your alley. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time that Hydra got this much attention? I, exactly. You know? They haven't. You know, it's just the last thing that I enjoyed reading really was, uh, oh, my God, what, what the heck was it? With the Watcher. With fury of oh uh, original original sin. sin that was the last event that i actually semi enjoyed <clears throat> yeah you know that, that one was a good one i'm surprised though you're not gonna i mean i know it's not necessarily the nick fury that you like and you know you collected and grew up with and stuff but i'm surprised you're not all over this new nick fury title yeah it's i gotta i know <laughs> it has that marvel header on it <laughs> yeah well, you should try it. I mean, you might be surprised. You never know. You know, there is an issue that came out from Marvel uh, last week, and it was uh, Thunderbolts, the new Thunderbolts mm-hmm. issue. And the whole basis was Kobik sent Bucky back to the 1940s, and the whole issue was drawn out, and like Bucky was like old Bucky, like young Bucky, and then Cap, and it was kind of a rewriting history kind of... Um, issue i mm-hmm. guess but the whole thing was just set in the 1940s during wartime and everything and it seemed really cool like a throwback issue that you'd yeah, probably it actually enjoy. sounds like it would be one to enjoy because since i really enjoy my wartime comics yeah and speaking of marvel also they announced that they're um, putting out their uh, star wars uh collection and a galaxy size huge slipcase thing i forget how many books are inside of it um it looks awesome to tell you the truth but it's pricey i don't remember what the price was it was something I think you said or three yeah yeah something like that it was like ooh that's a lot too much yeah but it's pretty yeah it looks good oh so what else tap anything that excited you this week in the in the world of comics yeah um this is all older stuff though it's nothing like new issues or anything like that um but uh i've been so last week i finished off six gun uh well the deluxe i still there's still more issues to go i think like 16 issues to go but i'm kind of waiting for the hard covers on that one uh but so this week i've jumped over to scalped because i have the deluxe editions of those Mm -hmm. and so i've been reading those um about halfway through the second volume of scalped and it really 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 is picking up uh and so it is an older title, so I'm sure a lot of people have already read it. But if you haven't, or you've been sitting on the fence on the deluxe editions, by all means, get them and read them. It's a, it's absolutely 
uh, amazing. Jason Aaron, um, Arm Guerra, uh, it's it's phenomenal stuff, man. It's kind of a little bit of a slow start for me, uh, and I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, eh, and then, but just keep going. It really, 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 really picks up and, and becomes really, really amazing. And uh, then also, I've been bouncing back and forth between Scalped and then the original, uh, like, 92 to 96 run of Madman uh, by mm-hmm. Mr. Mike Allred. Uh, so I've been reading a lot of Madman lately as well, and... I remember reading some as a kid and kind of enjoying it, uh, but not really getting it because now reading it now, I don't think that was really meant for, for younger. I think I was like around 12, 13 at the time. I don't think that those kind of books was really meant for, for me at that age. So, but reading them now, Oh my God, they're so good. I love it. Like there's like all these like inside, not inside jokes, but there's all these jokes about uh, madman fighting street beatniks and things like that. And when I was a kid, I was kind of like, eh, whatever, like uh, street beatniks. Okay. Uh, and like now that I'm older, like I find it more humorous. It's great. Uh, Mike and Laura Allred on in art and coloring and stuff is phenomenal. Um, I was telling Nova too that the thing I love about Madman that I appreciate now is <clears throat> he kind of talks like he's from the fifties, like that. Gee golly, gosh, like stuff like that. It's so epic. Like it's like a wholesome superhero. I don't know. It's just so freaking good. And so I've been going to town on uh, Madman lately, and. Uh, it was funny because Rusty's like, oh, I've been reading Madman as well. And I'm like, yes. Like, and I know Nova um, has been reading a lot of the newer, uh, the image run of Madman. A little bit, yeah. And it's just, I and I will say, if you have an opportunity to read the older stuff from like the 90s, read that first and then read the stuff from image in like the mid 2000s because... There's a lot of things that happen in the beginning books that they mention in the image. And you don't have to read it. Like, it's not like a necessity. But it's kind of a really cool, like, oh, my God, they went back to it. It's like a cool like nod to the past. And so it's, yeah. And so I've decided I want to make that uh, a binding project at some point in my life. Uh, get the 16 trade paperbacks of everything Madman and then bind them into a three separate hardcovers. I did the, cool. I did the math. It'd be three hardcovers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I priced it all out and everything just to be like, just out of curiosity. It's oh. not horrible, but I'm going to say my binding project this week is taking some leaps and bounds. <laughs> yeah. I saw you ripping yep. up some comics. Yep. Ripping and tearing apart comics. Got 61 new ish, uh, pages of a uh, hostess. Uh, <laughs> advertisements so are you done ripping apart comics yet or are you still i'm still i'm still around 200 more oh gosh and what's funny is you know i have a list of the ones that i've found throughout time you know a couple years worth of just oh okay here's a pick let me throw it in this file let's throw this file so i actually took the time in an excel spreadsheet put everything in there thought i had everything you know i thought i had 253 all of them that existed this week, I'm telling you, I found 16 that weren't on my list. Really? Yeah, I was like, wow. Holy cow. <laughs> so there's more than you thought. Yeah, and a lot of those were Casper and uh, one actually a penguin one that I didn't know that existed either. Mm. 
So I was like, oh, cool. Oh, penguin, so, like the Batman penguin? Yes. yes. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Yeah, give me my hostess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, have you had to rip up like anything that you were like kind of cringy about ripping up? Yes, there was a oh, God. What was it here? Uh, you'll probably cringe a little bit too. Um, give me one second. I'm digging. Everyone that's listening, prepare yourself, yeah, right? Uh, let's see. Okay. There's a one here at Justice League of America, number 178. X-Men volume one, number one. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Where's that cringe one? That was hard for me. Uh, bear with me. I'm sorry. Uh, Building the anticipation. I know. That's what I'm doing. I'm foaming through it. And of course, I can't find it off the top of my head. It was a uh, Green Lantern. Uh, the Green Lantern Corp. Number one. Ooh. From what year? Uh, seventy-eight, I think it was. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that. But I'm telling you though, it was, it was in bad, bad shape. Really bad shape. So are you exacto knifing these ads out of the comic? Is that what you're doing? No, actually, I'm taking the staples out, removing the ad, um, putting it into a bag and board, and then I, on the other side of the bag and board, I put in the uh, cover. Uh, the ad itself, I'm just basically folding it in half, nice and neatly. Then when it comes time to talk to the guy for binding, does he want to do the cutting, or should I do the cutting beforehand? I would talk to him. He does. He'll yeah. do a lot. Like he's doing all my prep work. I'm. I'm not doing anything. So. Yeah. So I. I, just, I, I I'm I, not I, doing a damn thing. He's doing everything. So. But if I cut it, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go out and I'll buy a nice actual cutting, professional cutting board. Make sure it's all done very nice and pretty. Like. So are you gonna when you go to bind the ads? Are you gonna put the covers in with them too to like? No. Show, it's like. Oh, that could be cool though, because you're gonna have like your hostess, right? But then you like open it up, and then you're gonna have like the cover, like this is the issue that this hostess ad came out of. Like that could be kind of cool. Well, you have to understand like some of those issues that I have to get. For instance, like if I want uh, hostess ads for from with uh, featuring Sad Sack, I have to pull out Harvey comics from the late '70s that can be rather pricey, or even some of those Archie ones. So I'm finding covers that are just basically de- destroyed. Oh, to make gotcha. the issue worth 25 cents to a dollar. And gotcha. typically the pages themselves are in great shape. It's just those covers. So I can right. get issues with beat up covers really cheap. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So this is a cheap route to go, go about it. But speaking of covers and issues, I read one issue I have to put out there from Image this week. And I think somebody else here read it. Black Cloud. I have not read it yet. No. It is on my read list. <laughs> no, oh, I, oh, I have it. I have it here. <laughs> the letdown. Well, uh, Jason Latour. Oh my gosh, it, it's a really interesting issue. I can't wait to dig into the second one. It's already sold out. Gone into second printing. You know, within the same week. And basically, you know, without spoiling too much, it's kind of like uh, this homeless gal is able to take people and put them into a psychedelic alternate dimension type of thing mm. best way to put it and there's still so much more to learn about it because it's only the first issue so i have a feeling it's going to end up being really really good yeah it's gotten rave reviews it um has. it is on my list i haven't even read any rebirth this week to be honest with you wow like we got our advanced copies 
three days ago, and I still haven't read any of them. <laughs> like, I've only been reading Scalped and Madman, and that is it. I have read nothing else. Well, yeah, so with like Black Cloud, I read the advanced copy we got on Monday, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I've got to go pick this up. So Wednesday I went out, and luckily I was able to pick one up, and I was like, okay, glad I got it. Yeah, I have a lot of cool. I have a lot of reading I need to get done in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to catch up on uh, Lock and Key again. Yeah, and have then... you even read any this week? This last week? No, I didn't read any this past week. I was literally reading a bunch of Madman, um, and then I also read Thunderbolts, some Tales from the Crypt, and I read an X Men issue. Um, Right, that, that's because you have that seventy something. That's because you have that five issue per week quota, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, I even but, dropped um, down. No. I only got like 45, 50 issues read this week, oh, so boy. only. I don't know. Y'all are machines. I'll tell you. The, oh my well, god! Red's a machine. I finally finished my Star Wars stuff. The last I saved. I, I swear to God, I saved the best for last, and that was the new series, Doctor Alpha. Uh, Alpha, I'm telling you, holy cow, that's my new favorite Star Wars right there, hands down. She is wow. kick ass. Um, it's, I mean, imagine Han Solo mixed with Indiana Jones as a bad guy with and female issues. Harrison Ford, basically. Yeah, kind of like. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, it's funny. Last week you brought her up on the show, I believe, and you're like, I don't know, we'll yeah. see what happens. And now this week you're like, yeah. Oh, it was good. Oh my gosh, there's only five issues out. I was like, oh my god, I need more. Yeah, it was. She hasn't popped up in a movie yet, right? No, not yet. Give time. Hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah, really. Speaking of, I finally this week finally saw the Star Wars Rogue One. Jeez, that was a long. That, that took a while. Well, when you got three, I'm kids, sure you were super you know? stoked. Until you read Invincible, Rusty. Right. God damn, I can't believe. Whenever you judge <laughs> yeah. someone, whenever you yeah, judge really. someone for taking a long time, I just, uh, where do you? How do you? How dare you? I know I've been on this podcast for over a year now and the whole Rusty Reads Invincible thing started before I joined the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a while. A couple of years. What is it like two years now? Mm -hmm. Almost. Almost two years, yeah. Uh, That movie was was awesome. I'm I'm just and I regret I didn't see in the theater because I've seen every Star Wars movie, all six of them in the theater, and I miss or seven of them now, I guess, and I miss this one. It was so good. Yeah, it was. K2SO is my favorite droid. I, tell you, I had to watch the last five minutes twice. It was the first time I was jumping up and down and screaming my head off. I, you know, that Darth Vader scene at the end. Holy smokes. I'm just going to believe it. Comes out of nowhere, I know, right? He throws the guy over the air, use the lightsaber to slash him. And just like, <laughs> then you see Carrie Fisher. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> throws the lightsaber and it's like, vroom. Yeah. Um, so cool. FFMR, my the other pod, we're doing a. You uh, see, so everybody knows how May Fourth is. You know, yes. uh, Star Wars. May yes. the Force, be, May the Fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of all of our podcasts, we always end it with "May the Forks be with you," and so we we are declaring this year May Fourth uh, FFMR Day, and it's on a Thursday, which is their pod, and we're actually going to be doing reviews of Rogue One 
And then we wanted to do like a crap review too, but it had to be Star Wars related. So we we dug deep and decided we're gonna do the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> oh, I think hey, I said you nice. watched the movie. I'm I, I sure of it. We were gonna do Return of the Jedi, or because Adam really wanted to see Ewoks in something, and so we discussed the Ewoks movie because um, Adam really digs the Ewoks. But we went with the 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 horrible the one that no Star Wars fan will ever claim as their own the uh, Star Wars Christmas special. So I just it'll be a fun it'll be a fun time May fourth. I just don't acknowledge. Wasn't okay. Didn't Boba Fett pop up in the Star Wars Christmas special? Wasn't that that was his first uh, appearance or something? No. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen uh, the Star Wars Christmas special. It's I remember like there's like Chewbacca, there's Ewoks, there's I don't know. It's been a long time, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching it again, just because it's been so many years since I've seen it. Well, if he likes Ewoks, tell him to read the Star Wars Shattered Empire four-issue uh, mini. Yeah? Yeah. There's, 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 a, there's a little bit of Ewoks in the beginning. I keep trying to get those guys to read comics. They're not really into it. <laughs> they're, they're not big comic guys. For Josh shame. was growing up. I will say he was growing up. And so Adam kind of was a little bit growing up. But, uh, yeah, not anymore. Mm. For shame. Right? I know. <laughs> Things can change, but anyway, you know, you know, talking about selling out of comics and diversity and stuff with the Marvel thing, I can't get over it. I'm still stuck. Um, you know, okay, none of y'all have read America, right? No. Nope. nope. Issue one and two is just gone now. Mm-hmm. Like issue two sold out same day. It was crazy. So I'm wondering here now. You know, I told because you we're my about theory to get like, on that though. Yeah, we're going to see by issue five. But we're starting to see kind of like a change in Marvel, I guess you could say. We're not going to get the, you know, the long period of just event after event. We're getting um, Scarlet Spider back in a whole like revamp of Spider-Man, I, I guess. I do not which is weird. like the costume. <laughs> no? no? He's got a hood now. You don't like Kane's he's got a costume. Hood. Yeah, with... it's, he's got a hood. Why the hell does he have a hood? Spider-Gwen has a hood, know. man. Don't you know hoods are in? Everybody's, so everybody's hood got now. hoodies and hoods it and stuff It makes no now. sense. Either. Those hoods would never stay on their heads. It's the new fashion. Right. It's, it's, you have to have a hoodie. I mean, come on. Even, even four guys in comics sell hoodies. Head. Well, you got to get with the times, be, old fogies. They got to no, make a they got to make a team called the Hood and it just have just have all and those it's, guys. It's uh Mark Bagley on art, isn't it? Yes, yes. it is. And, I and the dig, art looks cool, I dig man. Mark Bagley. Yeah, I said that the I really dug the art. However, I didn't like the character design. And there was there was a uh, Spidey's foot looked really weird and hamish. And Scarlet Spider's foot looked like it was three feet long. Like, there was a couple badly drawn feet. But aside from the badly drawn feet, um, no, it looked awesome. I really, really, really dug the artwork a lot. I mean, that's kind of cool. They played a little homage to a life filled into it. You know, it's okay. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. (laughs) They're like, how can we make this super identifiable with the 90s crowd? Let's mess up the feet. Is there any pouches? We're just going to mess up the feet. Well, and let's yeah. be honest too. It could have been the colorist because there's times where we've like made fun of an artist, and we actually go and find out if you look at the pencils, like what the what the uh, artist uh, turned his pencils into the colorist, and then what the colorist did, and the final result are oftentimes two completely different things. So it very well could have been the colorist issue, not necessarily the artist issue. So maybe even the inker missing a line or something, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 
It's possible. It's possible. But it's interesting because, like I said, we're getting that. And then we're getting the whole... I guess they revealed that the Wolverine Hulk thing is going to be a Hydra project. So not only are we going to have, you know, Captain America as the bad guy, but we also have a Hydra Hulk. I thought and, the Hulk was uh, dead. Wolverine, kind of. I thought... It's a Cho. Yeah, new Hulk. Totally awesome Hulk. Okay, yeah. But... Le- Rusty, my uh, eight-year-old son asked me this week um, why there are so many different Hulks and why there's different Captain Americas and why there's different uh, Wolverines and stuff like that. And I was like, because Marvel can't come up with anything original anymore. Like, that's the only answer I can give him. An eight-year-old is questioning why they're not coming up with just brand new characters. Like, why they're re- re-envisioning, I guess you could say, their, their classic characters. Even my son is confused by that. Actually, my daughter brought that up yeah. months ago. It's like, why is it... Why is uh, there's two different Spider-Mans and why is it, you know, space is the exact same thing. I'm just like, honey, read image. <laughs> you guys don't know if I recommend that all yet, the but... weird alternate stuff, though. I don't know. I, I kind of think it was weird. You know, in some ways, I kind of wish that whenever the ultimate universe ended, it just like ended because I think a product, a byproduct of you know with secret wars is it pushed all that stuff into one universe and now we have one million versions of everybody mm-hmm. just running around i mean it was big enough to where we had spider verse and now we're gonna have venom verse so it's just like i gotta okay, say i can't lie spider verse was amazing i loved spider verse i I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it. But see, that was kind of like a self-contained crossover. You know what I mean? That was only involved in the Spider books. Like, it didn't cross over into X-Men or Captain America or anything else. That was sort of just, it it was contained within the Spider books. I don't mind those types of crossovers. It's the huge ones that you have to buy every X-Men issue, every X-Force issue, every cat, and they all, or else you're not going to know what the hell's going on. And then you have like True. the little editor notes that are like, go back and read, blah, blah, blah. It's like, great, uh, now another comic I have to go read. Like, that's what I don't like. Here's the thought. I love the editor's notes. Marvel, how about you just kill everybody off, start whole new, fresh, with all new characters? What? No. I like the classics. <laughs> just bring back, bring back the originals. If you want the classics, go pick up a, a back issue. <laughs> Bring back the originals, like have Steve Rogers be Captain America. Like you don't, it's like the same thing with like Batman where people are like, you know, Batman's supposed to be 70 something, 90 something years old at this point. Why isn't he that old in the comics? Who cares? You don't need him to be, you don't have to explain that stuff. Let Steve Rogers remain young. You don't have to explain it. Batman is still Bruce Wayne and he's kicking ass. Like you don't have to explain why they don't age it's comic books people you don't have to explain that just accept it for what it is if you're questioning why your favorite comic book character is not aging look at the simpsons okay maggie's been a baby for almost 30 years all right like nobody questions that like just let it be i think no i think in terms of new characters marvel is just sort of handling it wrong they're and it, it comes down to you know you can blame the editor as much as you want but if you're not telling a good story no one's going to care about that character mm-hmm. no one that's true yep. too. i mean if you look true. at if you look at something like and again i'm, I'm gonna c- mention dc because i mean they're direct competition it's a great little pun there as well um <laughs> dc direct but, competition. but uh 
they've done i mean they've got they've added diversity to their character lines without getting rid of people they needed they wanted to add two mm. new green lanterns so they did they've got a spanish yeah, female they just green lantern invented new green lanterns yeah just make new ones there and they have their own book now and it's selling and people like it because it they took their time with it they didn't just suddenly say iron man is gone we're gonna have doom and this riri girl replace him you don't have to do yeah that. Nope. you can have a new generation of characters being trained why couldn't riri be trained by iron man it would have been amazing it would have added a whole new element to tony stark he's got this kid he needs to you know mentor and teach and he has to deal with his alcohol addiction all this stuff while doing it it could have been amazing it could have been so well done well, i mean it especially makes sense with what's happened with roadie recently exactly. so it's just like why not yeah it would have yeah. been perfect but no they just got they got rid of him it doesn't make sense to me um what they're doing with Thor is, isn't too bad because you still got no. I do dig. I, I well, I'm about the female Thor, the Jane, the Jane Thor. I haven't really read much of that, but the unworthy Thor stuff, like the Thor Odins and Thor. Uh, no, I like that. That's good. I'm really excited actually for Ultimate Thor. Yeah, I think they just need to handle it a different way. Get it's all about, and they're doing that generations event. Which is, you know, uh, anyway, miniseries, whatever <laughs> they said. Um, where it's going to be, do, they're going to be looking at legacy again, and that's a great thing to do. I think that's the best way to go with introducing new characters. <laughs> introducing someone completely brand new is is difficult. I I can imagine, but doing like a legacy character where you have a established character mentoring someone is the best way to go go about it. Um, I don't know how the new Nova book is, but apparently it's. It's Rich Ryder mentoring uh, young Sam Alexander, so that should be cool. Um, I'm sure it's. I've heard it's good. The few issues I've read, it, I didn't like the first issue, but then I read the second and third. It actually got better. Um, I and that's own coming them. from somebody that's never really even read Nova. So yeah, I'm yeah. a huge Nova fan. I own them. I'm waiting to, for it to stack up a little higher before I binge read. Yeah, I'm enjoy. I, like I said, the first one was kind of eh, but I did enjoy the second and third one. Um, and so yeah, it's well written. It's like you said, it depends on the writing. It's very well written. Yeah. I want them to bring back the original Fantastic Four. That's what I want, and no, I don't God, mean yeah. the I don't mean the maker Reed Richards, not the ultimate. Well, you got things. Still. I want the original FF back in my life. Okay, yes. picking up I issue six twenty six. Not num- yeah. never number one. That. Let's just follow it back up they'll where we left do off. That. 100% they'll never they, do it. They did it with action and detective. Yeah, but, but those was... were in like, that's because of the thousand. That's because they're going to get up there to the, the number one thousand. Well, well FF true, can do the but... same thing. Yeah. Well, you got to think about it this way, too. Like, even though uh, Venom isn't like one consecutive thing, they're going to be celebrating the 150th issue next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they could do something like that. Yeah, if Fantastic Four makes makes it through three hundred issues, again depends on the writing. I'm all for it. I mean, get Kent. What is a Human Torch doing with the Inhumans? Is he an Inhuman after all? He broke up with whoever he was. I was like, I was like didn't up he fall with. in love with one of them? What's is Sue even around anymore? Is she like? Is she Sue just, and Reed are the original Sue and Reed are like in space? Yeah, they're gone. They're just petting. Uh, what's his name? Molecule Man. They're just feeding him and changing his diaper and all that. And getting. Franklin to fling mm. dimensions into space. All right, cheers. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Bring back the original FF. You can still leave Franklin to the sideline. I do want to go back at some point in the semi near future and read the old John Byrne Fantastic Four <laughs> run. I think it was like issue 232 to 294, something like that. 
I do want to go back. He brings to back um uh, She-Hulk. He Yeah, well he brings back um Phoenix too. Yeah, and he has like She-Hulk yeah. and the Fantastic 4 replaces thing yep. for a while there. And apparently it's I've never read those ones um cuz those came out like in the early 80s and obviously I was just a young and I wasn't reading back then. Um but apparently those are really really good um really good runs, so yeah, that's what I hear too. Yeah, I don't know, they need to bring back FF. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's gonna save Marvel, huh? Yeah, yes, it would. About that, bring it back. Six twenty-six newspaper guys. The rest of y'all. It's Marvel's first family. It's possible. <laughs> then they could bring get, like, a Doom mixed back. Up one. Then you could bring Doom back as like the Doom we all know and love, not as. Iron Man Doom, you know, like yeah. something happens and oh god, yeah, there's so many things you could do with it. No, bring, bring back it, Mole oh, Man. Bring He's it kind back of a... with Claremont. I wish. <laughs> hey, who's on the podcast? He uh, said he would do something. All that Marvel has to do is reach out to him. Say. That was his words. Well, you know what's uh, interesting about that Iron Man Doom uh, situation or whatever is come to find out that Reed that we from the book and then doom's mom are both in hell technically and they're like casting up so i'm wondering if we're gonna end up seeing like mephisto or someone well pop that's up in the, the story thing now. that's the thing that's kind of an old arc it's a rehash is what that is yeah doom enlisted the help of dr strange i don't remember how long ago this book was it was a while ago he enlisted the help of dr strange to go to hell to bring his mom back Mm. And so basically they're just rewriting stuff that's already been done, which is, I guess, my kind of issue with it because he enlisted the, as, um, it was called Dr. Strange. God damn. I brought it up on the podcast yeah, before. You did. I, I remember. never remember the title. It's not the oath. It's, no. uh, um, I don't know. Anyway, it's a Dr. Strange, Dr. Doom book and Dr. Doom basically reaches out to strange and lists his help to take him to, hell basically uh to try to get back his mom and it's a really good book don't get me wrong i loved it really 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 awesome book but that's i feel like that's what they're doing right now they're just rehashing an old storyline with instead of dr doom it's oh reed's here now like i don't know yeah but the thing is is that this storyline is supposed to be uh spanning they they said they think it's going to be going longer than a year so We'll see what happens, I guess, because they wanted. Apparently, he was talking about a long haul on the series. So I don't know how that, long it's going to go. When you say a go. year, it sounds like a long time, but when you break it down to one Man. book a month, it's only twelve issues. Like most, who knows if it'll make it that far? Twelve issues. Yeah, who knows if if they might renumber it like eight out of twelve issues throughout the way. Have you guys ever read this uh, this story called Books of Doom, written by Ed Brubaker? Um, I have started the first issue oh at one God, point. It's so um, good. Yeah. If you guys want to read some just top-notch Doom, that's the place to go. Ed Brubaker, it's it's all about Doom. It's basically his his origin story and why he is the way he is. It's so good. It's amazing. It's Ed Brubaker. So, I mean, that guy leaving Marvel was a huge hit for them, looking mm -hmm. back now. Whatever he touched was gold. Yep. Yeah, bring yep. him back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That dude's <sighs> making so much money. Yeah. Well, we got a month left. That's... A month until free comic book day. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that earlier today. Yeah. I was driving. I'm super stoked. So Dean Kane's coming to Krypton this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
who's that guy you brought you brought uh, david finch is that his name he does batman yeah i've uh i met david finch and, and jason fabic at a free comic book day once and there there was one year where my store had jeff lemire and i, I didn't make it couldn't make it well, uh, David is actually coming down to uh, all one of the local shops here in Denton and is doing a uh, signing thing for free comic book nice. day. And um, I'm actually, they asked Pop Nerd to uh, help cover it. And so I'm supposed to go there and be on air talent for that day. And I'm supposed to try and get an interview with him. So we'll see how that yeah, goes. That dude's great. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I dearly regret not getting a sketch from Jason Fabic because that guy exploded massively um shortly thereafter he was doing like detective comics at the time and his artwork was amazing but now he's like he's the cream of the crop um i wish i'd gotten a sketch from him back then but uh, for all you virginia listeners out there the place to be for free comic book day this year go to fantasy escape we'll have the 66 batman mobile out there you can get pictures in there and i will be there to say no doing a podcast live and you guys can come on over and talk some comics on a lot of cool stuff so fantasy escape is in virginia beach still not as cool as dean kane (laughs) 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 i'm kidding it's dean kane ripley's believe it or not yeah uh, yeah, I, know, I think right? he did. He did play say, some ask superhero some... at some point, really badly. Yeah, he was yeah. Superman, Lois and Clark. <laughs> uh, that's rough. You should get him to. Do you, do you have that like on DVD or anything? No. <laughs> you should totally find it. Get him to sign it. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he'll love to gonna, talk I'm about sure it. He's gonna pay like he's gonna charge probably like ten or fifteen bucks. Oh, of to course, twenty bucks or whatever. I don't. Usually when I go through those lines, I just shake their hand and say, nice to meet you, and then I keep moving. Nice to meet you. Here's my card. <laughs> but cool. Cool. Well, I think we have an awesome. interview, don't we? Yes, it is time. With the, yeah. Discuss so. some Planet Comic Con. Yeah, let's break out the bat phone and give it a ring. Alright everyone, welcome back to a brand new interview this week. Uh, we have Mr. Kirk Critton from uh, Planet Comic Con, Kansas City Planet Comic Con, where Nova and I will be attending here in uh, in a few weeks, and so he's going to join us and talk about the con and let us know what to expect this year. So Kirk, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, and great to talk to you. Yes, yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so what is your role with the, with the con and like your, your job title, I guess you could say, and then how long have you been doing it? I'm the chief marketing officer of planet comic con, uh, which sounds like I have one particular, like highfalutin job. What actually means is I do a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, the show's been around, this is our 19th, uh, year, uh, 19th show, although we did they did two shows the first year, and they skipped a year due to construction on their venue. So it works out to be 19 both ways. Uh, I've been involved with it for uh, nine of those years, so about half the time. And we've just had, you know, like the whole sort of Comic-Con experience. We have just tremendous growth over that period of time, uh, you know, j- 10 times the size of what it was back when I first started volunteering back in 2008. Oh, um, so what would you say is – 
the biggest difference from when it started to now? Like what growth have you seen over that period? Well, it's just I think that what we've really seen is the whole comic book uh, fantasy geek culture thing has just so much taken over uh, culture in general. And so the popularity of all these things that we love and that, you know many of us loved uh, a long time ago, suddenly the rest of the world's caught up with us. Uh, and so what we really see is a tremendous growth of people who are – uh, more hardcore fans, so there's a bigger number of hardcore fans, but also a wider variety of just people who uh, like pop culture stuff and have an interest in it and are like, they're aware of San Diego. The show in San Diego has gotten so much media coverage. They're like, I'd like to go to that. Um, I, you know, I worked with a lady uh, who was in her, I think, probably late 50s at one point uh, just a couple of years ago. She was thrilled that a couple of years ago we had a Kent McCord from – Adam 12 is an actor that was like, got to start back on the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet in the fifties and stuff like that. And she was just like, that was so cool to her. Uh, and so it is, you know, you never know what's going to bring people in. Uh, and certainly when we've had, uh, some big name guests that everybody's aware of, you know, Will Wheaton being on big bang theory, has been a huge factor in just spreading popularity and big bang theory alone. Uh, the fact that it is such a, uh, a geek, culture focused show and it's been the number one comedy on television for 10 years uh that's really helped uh, the general public knows what's going on with us and uh they know that planet comic-con here in kansas city is the region's uh you know f- fan fest you know geek uh cultural event of the year and they want to be in on it so it the, gro- the growth's been tremendous. Uh, like I said, I mean, like 10 times the, the number of attendees. We've grown from being in a, essentially a small room uh, at a, a kind of a, a suburban expo center, essentially the size of maybe a, a hotel ballroom, to now being in Bartle Hall, which is the largest convention center in Kansas City. Uh, and we've grown in the time that we've been in Bartle Hall since 2013. Uh, the the ex- the Exhibition halls actually broken into five different sections. And initially, we were in two of them. The next year, we went to three of them, then four, and now we're in all five of the exhibition halls with actual uh, exhibits and things going on in the hall. So it's just been phenomenal. Yeah, last year I attended, and it was the first year I'd been there, and it was incredible. Um, I wasn't real sure what to expect, especially for like a Midwestern con. Um, I think really when people think Midwestern cons, they think C2E2, and that's really about it. Um, but little do they know, uh, you know, Kansas City Planet Comic Con was, it was amazing. It was, I had the time of my life. It was absolutely incredible and Fabulous. massive. Uh, how many attendees did you guys have last year? Uh, 71,000 uh, attendees uh, was uh, the, the t- final number that we tallied up and announced right after the show. So, again, it goes to like that 10 times growth. I mean, probably the first show that I was involved with had five or 6,000 people there. So what? Uh, how many are you guys projecting to have this year? Um, it's, it's a little hard to read. We'll have at least as many as last year, but I, I don't have a firm, uh, handle on kind of the growth. And, uh, my best guess is that we will, will pretty much equal what we did last year, but we won't know till we do all the math at the yeah. end. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's an absolutely incredible show. So if anybody's in like the Kansas City, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so I'm I'm a few hours away. But you know, anywhere in the Midwest, you guys got to go check out the show, April 28th through April 30th um, this year, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you guys actually have some new things going on this year that you didn't have last year. Like I think like Friday night, I read that you guys are gonna have like some almost like a block party, really, right right outside of Bartle Hall. That is right. It's called uh, the the party on Barney. It's Barney Alice Plaza, uh, which is kind of the central square of downtown Kansas City, uh, right adjacent to the convention center and all of the hotels that surround that area. So that's going to have some live music, uh, disc jockey. Uh, we're going to have the um, the National Wrestling League is a new Kansas City and St. Louis based professional wrestling association. They're actually going to have a rink set up and do a full uh, event uh, during that party as well. Uh, and so just Friday night's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some other after hours stuff going on as well. There's an uh, official planet comic-con after party that's arranged by elite comics. Uh, there is a, a, a drink and draw going on, uh, uh with, uh, the Alamo draft house. Uh, so we, we've just got a tremendous number of things. In fact, Thursday night before the show, we've had, a, got a trivia showdown. So people who are in town a little bit earlier, early can, uh, join up for the, the trivia showdown Thursday night. Looking forward to this. This is gonna be a blast. <laughs> I yeah. know you mentioned the wrestling thing, and I'm like, okay, maybe I want to go too, right? <laughs> Got to see a picture of a uh, tap dropping the elbow on Nova by the end of the weekend. I'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm very, I'm very excited. It's gonna be my first con, and the the guest list just I, I'm I can be more excited. Yeah, I started well, reading I, off the guest names to him, and I'm like, "You got to come down." Like half joking, because he lives in Toronto, so I'm like half joking, like you got to come down. And the guest list alone, he's like, "Dude, I got to do it. I got to do it. I'm young. Let's just do it." I got to do it. I'm like, "Yeah, come on down." Yeah. Well, we'd love to have you. So I'm curious uh, who who pushed you over the brink. What 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 guest was the one that was like, "I've got to be there for that." Uh, well, we've talked to quite a few guys here, but Jason Aaron, I've always wanted to meet. Um, he's written some of my favorite stuff. I mean, there's guys like Greg Smallwood, Colin Bunn, um, Freddie, Freddie E. Williams II. I can't wait. And then there's announcements like I found out Chris, Chris Claremont's coming um, right. a few days ago. You guys announced it. Um, Dan DiDio just to sort of – Eastman, yeah, Dan DiDio just to pick his brain a little bit, even though he's, uh, you know, not the not a creator for us, but – I mean, there's so many people here. The list goes on and on. Yeah, we've actually yeah, well, had Matt quite Kent. A, oh, and, oh, yeah, we've actually had quite a few guests that are going to be there this year that were there also last year um, that have actually been on our show um, and and whatnot. And they've come on and been interviewed and stuff. So it's it's kind of cool to kind of go back and meet all these people again and say hi and and whatnot as well. That's that's great for sure. Well, I'm impressed that it's all comic book people. You can tell it's comic book podcasts. You guys yes. into yes. the creators, yeah. and it, you know it's yeah. always a challenge for a show to try to balance creators and celebrities and cosplay and uh, you know all of this types of stuff that goes on. And it's it's a real focus of our show uh, to try to keep uh, you know all of the elements that make kind of a general pop culture or comic book convention uh, popular and, and and give them all uh, fair due. You know, and that's that. So that's the commitment of bringing in, you know, Chris Claremont and and um, you know, Kevin Eastman and uh, Steranko, Frank Bruner, people like that uh, to really say let's let's uh, make sure that that the comic book fans that are the source of all of this pop culture uh, are well served and and are getting what they need. Yeah, I mean, Howard Jake and Neil Adams. There's just 
great names, great names. You you couldn't go wrong if you're in that area. You need to stop by because um, if you're a comic fan, there's just tons of comic legends to meet. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, with Neil Adams and Starenko both in town, those are two of the seminal late '60s guys who brought. Um, really an advertising agency and advertising yeah. illustration sensibility uh, into comics. I, I, I really think that they were they're, – they're one of those pivot points where, you know, uh, they really changed the way especially superhero comics were drawn uh, from from really being a an illustration style that was more influenced, obviously, by Kirby at Marvel – uh, but and then also though by more of the Milton Kniff, 1930s or 1940s kind of style of illustration that had been a big influence for a lot of the creators. Suddenly you have Neil Adams and Jim Steranko yeah. come in, and it was just like people's eyes popped out. You know, <laughs> so kind of the same way that you had with um, with Todd McFarlane uh, back in his day, where yeah. it was just like everybody's like, oh, it redefined what people thought about in terms of drawing superheroes. What are some of your favorite uh, moments over the con over the years? Like, do you have anything like sticks out where you're just like, this was like one of my all time favorite moments being a part of Comic Con? Yeah, you know, we did in 2014, we did a, that was a really rough show for me behind the scenes. The fans all thought that it ran really well. Uh, (laughs) Little do they know. (laughs) But it was. It, there were some real tough moments behind the scenes of just getting that show done and challenges that were going on. But we were doing Sunday night. We were doing what we called the Trectacular, and that was most of the uh, cast of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, on stage, uh, along with William Shatner moderating their panel. And, and before that really got going, I found myself kind of stepping through the curtain to the backstage area where it was just me, Shatner, The Next Generation people – and a few of their agents and handlers and me, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, this made it worthwhile for the weekend. This is kind of cool. This is that, that, that rocks. And so, you know, a lot of my satisfaction comes from just pulling the show off, you know, from, from having a great event and having a lot of, of fun things going on. Uh, but then, you know, there are those geek out fan moments too, that, uh, you know, I'm not the sort of person who grew up in Hollywood or something and was hanging out with actors all the time. So, the celebrity moments sometimes are – it's just nice. It's nice to interact with them in a professional context. Mm-hmm. So it's not you – know, I've never been the type that's comfortable going up and asking for an autograph or getting a photo op or something like that. So uh, it's it's nice. I always like to have business to conduct when I'm interacting with people anyway because I'm a nerd. <laughs> it's easier than small talk. So is there any big names or anything special you'd like to have for uh, future cons? Oh, you know, I think the the wish list there is infinite. And whenever we put out a like, we'll put a post on social media. It's like, who do you want to have at the convention? And I mean, the the people immediately shoot for for the rafters and all all of that stuff. Um, I'm a Doctor Who fan, so yes. when it comes to the celebrity side, I, I I'm always up for for Doctor Who guests. I'm I I like deep cut classic Doctor Who guests, but those are for our type of show, not necessarily the type of people that we book. Um, it was very nice to have, um, I'm going to sit here and blank on the man's name on the podcast. Um, the guy who plays Boba Fett, him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the actor who played Boba Fett back in the, in the first trilogy, uh, was also on classic doctor who. And I didn't realize that until after we had had him, uh, Jeremy Bullock, uh, we'd had him at the show the first time and I'd shaken hands with him. And then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. He like guest acted on like 
old school Doctor Who, and uh, there's a scene where he, uh, in the, with the first Doctor, William Hartnell, he reaches down and as his character, uh, William Hartnell's fallen to the ground, and he like touches him on the shoulder, and I'm like, I shook that hand. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I would, you know, I'm always excited when we bring in uh, the Doctor Who uh, guests uh, from the comic book world. Um, I've kind of been in that world. I, I don't have a lot of the celebrity crushes there, although I'm always thrilled to to get to interact with uh, people who are real, just spectacular at what they do and to be able to hear about what their process is and how they make what they do. And, um, you know, I, I really consider uh, great comics to be the ones where I can't see how they did it. It looks like magic. Uh, and uh, just, just to see that, no, it really was a matter of a writer putting down one word at a time and an artist putting down one line at a time. Uh, you know, it's craftsmanship and uh, along with the talent and imagination. Yeah. yeah, one of the coolest things I've seen on uh, YouTube, I haven't been able to experience myself. I did, uh, David Finch and Jason Fabic were at, uh, my one of my local shops for free comic book day one, so I got to see them sketch. But watching some of these guys sketch is unbelievable. Oh, um, yeah, it's just something fascinating to watch, especially Neil Adams. He sort of just draws all these crazy lines, and then it ends up being Batman uh, <laughs> flying over. <laughs> so like you can't tell what's going on, and each one's so different with their style and the way they do it. So I'm I'm excited to see them, you know, work work live in front of me. I've always thought it's fun when you get the chance to see an artist kind of instruct a, an a aspiring artist. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in the days, I mean, this is before planet comic con an earlier Kansas city convention, uh, Dick Giordano was at the show and he, um, at the time he was executive editor at DC, but he was still inking some comics and stuff like that. And, uh, somebody brought their portfolio up and he's, uh, and has had some Batman stuff in there. And Giordano's like, well, that's you know, it's interesting what you're doing here. Now, what you need to understand is that Batman is all about uh, uh, angles. It's all about straight lines and points. And so he's like, do you mind if I like? He flipped over some piece of paper. He's like, do you mind <laughs> if I draw this here? And so he sat there and he he drew Batman with straight lines and all this stuff. And he stepped through the whole process of how you wow. how you draw Batman. And it was just fascinating. Yeah, the other cool experience I've had and and um. Uh, Carrie Callen's a comic book creator who uh, he has a uh, has done a book in the past for um, uh, called Halo and Sprocket that was published by Slave Labor Graphics. Uh, he's currently doing a, a web series called uh, Dirt Nap that you can look up online as well. Terrific guy. He's a local Kansas City guy. He works for Hallmark in their licensing department, and so his job is to draw all of their licensed characters when they don't have artwork of that character doing what they need for the particular card. So he has specialized in drawing Peanuts characters, for example. And he demonstrated one time, again, just kind of on the back of a piece of paper, how he can draw Charlie Brown from all the various eras of the Peanuts, all the way, you know, like a 1950s look through maybe the 70s look, and even the later run when when uh, Schultz's hand was not as steady. And he, he can do it with, the, like, the wobble in the line and stuff. Wow. And you just sit there and it's like, oh, wow. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's magic. You know, it's like, Oh, he could just, you know, sit there and out comes like a Charles Schultz style drawing from any era wow. of a peanuts character. That's incredible. That is. So what would you say, uh, makes this convention stand out compared to others? 
I touched on it a little bit before, and that's that balance between the various aspects of the comic stuff, the celebrity stuff, and the cosplay, which I think are the you know, three of the major areas there. Uh, the people who like the costuming stuff, one of the things that we definitely do different is uh, our cosplay showcase area, which is a, a whole area set aside for cosplay and for also costume photography. Uh, we bring in a lot of set pieces that fans can get up on and, and, and take their picture, uh, you know, in Jabba's uh, throne room or, uh, you know, a Game of Thrones set or a, a whatever. So there's there's a, a whole section of our our floor set aside for that sort of element. And of course, then we've got the, the artist alley with all the comic book people and the celebrity row and the vendors and the vendors, of course, are another key part of all of that. Um, another thing that we do that is different and it's new this year is what we call the planet entertainment zone. Yeah, uh, and that's really, about that. that is really geared towards families and kids and people who want to get interactive things. So the planet entertainment zone has a lot of kind of local attractions in there. So, uh, the amusement park, our big amusement park in the area is Worlds of Fun. Uh, Worlds of Fun is going to be in with a whole maze set up for people to go through. Uh, our local Legoland uh, Discovery Center is going to have Lego build competitions going on throughout the, the show, and we'll have all kinds of Lego activities going on. Uh, we have a local attraction here called Science City uh, that's going to be doing presentations, and there's also a stage there, so there's going to be demos of uh, kind of maker type stuff in terms of cosplay, how to how to craft uh, metal type equipment, how to do various sorts of, of cosplay stuff that I don't really know enough about to speak to uh, very effectively. Uh, but just a, a lot of stuff, puppet theater, all kinds of things going on. And so we're really trying to make it um, to continue to expand out so that there's a that family element that kind of brings in the general audience as well. And you guys are going to have like a virtual reality room or something set up as well right with the the planet entertainment area yeah there's there is a a a virtual reality set up and i'm going to be honest i don't know a whole lot about exactly what they're doing there uh but there are a couple of different i think virtual reality setups going on that uh, are set up yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah so you said that your your past, uh, your history, isn't just with the con. That's something that became, you know, in the last 10 years or so. But previous to that, um, you, like you said, in the 80s and whatnot, you had done some comic work yourself. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to speak of, but I did I did do some comics work. So um, I, I wrote for a while for Now Comics in the late 80s. They had a book called Die Kamikaze uh, that I uh, – that was my first professional comic book writing. I came on with the fourth issue and, and wrote that uh, through its conclusion. Um, I think the noteworthy thing about Dai Kamikaze was actually that uh, the, uh, they previewed Astro Boy in the first issue, and that was like a huge hit at the time and drove the, the collector's price of the first issue up. But it was a giant robot comic. It probably suffered from the fact that I had never been a fan of nor even really seen giant robot stuff at all. Uh, so being, you know, hey, it was my first assignment. I was going to take it and I was going to write yeah, it. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I maybe was not the perfect person to be writing that book in, in hindsight. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that, you know, 30 years on. Um, uh, and then uh, I, I co-created a book that was published by uh, Malibu Graphics um, uh, called Velvet, uh, which was about a female bounty hunter in the distant future of the year 2019 which does not seem that distantly <laughs> in the future now uh, uh but it was an early uh you know, girl with a gun book that uh kind of we we had the idea and had it going uh kind of before there was a huge girl with a gun craze 
unfortunately they beat us to market. So, uh, but no, it was a lot of fun. I did that with a, a, a friend of mine that I'd known since uh, middle school days. Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. And then uh, during that time as well, I published a, um, uh, a magazine, which I called Comics Career Newsletter. Uh, that I started publishing that in the late 80s, and I published it through the early 90s, uh, like 28 issues. And it was all about how to break into the comic book business. And so there were interviews with Dick Giordano and Tom DeFalco, who was executive editor at Marvel at the time, uh, basically editors from all of the major publishers at the time, as well as uh, comics creators and a lot of columns and things like that. Um, and unfortunately, uh, kids came along, and I kind of it kind of ran its course. And then, um, then Wizard Magazine came out, and suddenly there was this huge boom in people publishing stuff and making lots of money about how to break into the comic book business. And uh, I was a I zigged when I should have zagged. <laughs> I was out of it. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you kind of grew up loving comics. Then, like comics is uh, it sounds like have always been a big part of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been a comics fan since uh, uh, about sixth grade was when I really got serious, when I learned you could actually collect comics and make sure you had every issue and follow the storylines. Um, I got involved. Uh, a friend loaned me Avengers 141 through 148, which was, you know, George Perez's really first run on the book and a, a, a classic era uh, of Steve Englehart writing the book. And I just fell in love with it. And he had started a collection and tracked which issues he had and had his want list and stuff like that. And I was like, I was in. So, uh, you know, a week or so later, Avengers 149 came out on the newsstand. And that was my first acquisition as a comic book collector. And Avengers was always, always my book then. So I was deep into the Avengers, uh, getting all the back issues and really following it um, through uh, – you know, through the late 70s and into the early 80s, which is important because that's that's the period right now that the Avengers movies are focused on. Um, I, the, the first Avengers movie, I walked out of that and I told my family, I'm like, oh, my gosh, on my 14th birthday, I must have wished really hard because it just <laughs> ate. <laughs> <laughs> And I went home and I, I was reading up on the movie and they were they were quoting um, Joss Whedon about it, and he was citing like um, the Avengers story that that wrapped up in uh, Marvel Two and One Annual Number Two. It's like part of his inspiration, and I'm like, yes, that is the greatest Avengers story ever. And it turns out that Joss Whedon and I are about two months apart in age, so we were uh. we were right that that middle school age golden age sweet spot together, loving the same comic books. Very cool. So what are you reading currently? Like, do you have anything? I know you're busy with the con. Do you have time to even read? That's a shameful. Uh, it's a great question with a shameful answer, which is I'm not really following anything carefully right now. Certainly not in the month to month floppies. The last thing that I was getting month to month was um, was fables. Um, I'd followed scalped. I'd followed. I had several books yes. I was following, but they, uh, they kind of came to an end. I was following all the Doctor Who stuff. Uh, when it was being published by IDW, but my subscription, I just didn't continue over uh, with the the new publisher. And so what I'm doing now is a little bit more focused on uh, trades and, and things like that. So I've, I'm into hey, Squirrel Girl. Wrong with that. Squirrel Girl I recently read, which I just love that book. Um, I've always liked um, the also not just the superhero stuff, but more kind of what we call alternative, but it's not really alternative. Superhero stuff's the, the alternative stuff. Uh, but... Um, so my friend Dahmer uh, by Durf Backdurf. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's literally Durf, 
Uh, you should check it out. Graphic novel. It's a memoir because uh, Bachter, who was a an alt comic strip artist, like in uh, you know all the the alternative weekly newspapers and cities and stuff. Uh, turned he actually went to junior high and high school with Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer. Uh, and this is the story of Dahmer in high school before he started the murders. Uh, and it's it's gripping as well done. I had uh, interviewed Durf for one of my websites, uh, I don't know, probably 2007, 2008, uh, for one of his earlier books, uh, Punk Rock and Trailer Parks. And I had read a digital copy of an early version of my friend Dahmer, and I was encouraging him at the time. I'm like, this is just amazing. Uh, and I, I, he, I'm not going to take credit for that. He's heard that from a lot of people, but he uh, expanded it to the graphic novel. I, I'm a huge fan of that. There's a Kansas City artist also that I, I love her work. She's just recently moved to New York, and she's doing a lot of illustration work now. Uh, her name is Kelsey Roten, W-R-O-T-E-N. Uh, and her very alternative, uh, very creative literary-type stuff uh, that uh, you can find her stuff on uh, Jukebox, Com- Jukebox Comics, comics with an X, dot com. Um, she's just a phenomenal talent. She's the kind of the Daniel Klaus sort of uh, personal storytelling, uh, weird creative stuff that uh, I, I've always uh, really loved and appealed to me. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so you said that you had been following scalped and the reason why I found that is I'm actually reading all the deluxe hardcovers right now as we speak. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, and Jason Aaron, once again, absolutely amazing stuff. Did, did you finish Scalped or? I did my, my, I actually came into it mid run. So my weak spots in the story, and I'm actually not good at remembering plot, but my weak spots in the story are actually in the earlier arcs of it, because I kind of probably joined it at issue 20 or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, you know, Jason's just such tremendous creator uh and there's so many stories and i mean it's amazing to me how he can do something uh like scalped that is you know crime noir sort of stuff but then also jump over and be doing thor and be doing uh, all all these sorts of things yeah yeah i mean and, and just really taking each one of them into kind of twisted new unexpected directions but in you know in ways that are different and appropriate for each one so I it sounds like it's... a couple of the artists and writers and things that we've talked to are uh it almost they made it sound like almost like Planet Comic Con was sort of their their home con. Um yeah. like uh Absolutely. Colin Bunn I know is attends like every year. Uh Jason Aaron, I believe, attends almost every year. Greg Smallwood, uh Phil yeah. Hester. Yeah, no, the you know, the people you've talked about, well, Phil's in Iowa, but he's uh he's good buddies with Andy Parks. Yes. Obviously they've collaborated a lot together. Um and so Phil's been coming down to the Kansas City show since literally before Planet Comic Con, back when I was uh tabling at the the Kansas City um what do we call it back in the Mocan Comic Con back in um uh the late eighties, early nineties. Uh Phil was down uh, and uh, and Annie, in fact, their very first published work together was a cover of my comics career newsletter uh, that they did at one of those shows. Um, Colin Bunn's over in St. Louis along with uh, Brian Hurt. And yes. um, yeah, I heard you guys talking about him on the last episode. Yeah, oh, I'm geeked. <laughs> I'm so incredibly geeked. The damn six gun. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they're in St. Louis, but they come over all the time uh, along with. 
I'm blanking who the third part anyway. So Matt they, Kent, they come. Over, I think is one. Matt, yes, Matt Kent is the the third the third of the three amigos there that come over every year. Uh, Matt's phenomenal as well. Um, and uh, so yeah, they come over. But you know, Jason Aaron is a local guy. Uh, Greg Smallwood is uh, here in the area. Freddie Williams is in the area. Uh, Kansas City really has a really B. Claymore, uh, Jeremy Hahn. Yeah, exactly. Now we've got a tremendous uh, a number of people here who are locals, and it's just a great community uh, of, of comics creators. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, Alex Grecian, who you may know from um, – he was doing proof for Image uh, for a long time. Uh, he's a local guy as well, but then he's turned into a uh, you know, best-selling New York Times bestseller novelist of uh, Victorian crime. So uh, if people like that who have these – kind of really interesting, cool careers as well. And we've got, you know, we have not talked, touched on the, the go comics creator showcase yet, which is also this year. And so one of our local guys is actually the cartoonist of the comic strip, Foxtrot, Bill Ammond. Uh, He's here locally, but what go comics, which actually is headquartered here in, um, in Kansas city, it's uh, Andrews McMeal universal. They publish all the Calvin and Hobbes books and the, I mean, it's, the largest newspaper, syndicated newspaper comic strip company. They're bringing in more than 30 cartoonists from across the world to be at Planet Comic Con. Um, and so, you know, we have uh, Bill Ammons here. Stefan Pastis from Pearls Before Swine uh, will be at the show on Saturday. Uh, we have the creators of, uh, like, Brian Gordon from Foul Languages, which is a super popular strip is going to be here. Um, Sarah um, Sarah Anderson from Sarah's Scribbles, which is a webcomic that she has, like, a million followers in social media. Um, just uh, huge. And so it's it's wonderful that our, fo- our partners at Go Comics have kind of brought uh, all of these creators in. So it's going to be, I mean, anybody who's into webcomics or, um, or syndicated newspaper strips uh, just needs to be at the show and just spend the weekend hanging out at booth 1011 uh, at the Go Comics uh, Creator Showcase. Very, very cool, very cool. So just real quick, I, I personally just have one last question. I don't know about anybody else. Um, but I guess my thing is, how did you get involved with uh, Planet Comic Con? So you said you started off volunteering, is is that just how kind of, you just kind of grew and you just got, came to know you know the the founders the owners or whatever and you just kind of built that relationship from there? Yeah, no, literally, I you know I'd spent all the years before that uh, publishing stuff or having you know writing comics and whatever and like I said earlier, having business con- to conduct with people at a show, and I started going to some some as my kids got older, going to some conventions just as an attendee and found out that I was really bored. Um, and we moved to the Kansas City area in 2007, and I'm like, well, rather than just going to the local show as an attendee and being bored, I'll volunteer to help do stuff. Uh, and so it really did start out simply as volunteering, and the areas that that the owner, Chris Jackson, uh, needed help on uh, really most uh, that, that I was able to help with were, was the panel programming initially. And it, was, it was a small venue. We just had one room for panel programming, but it was all done very informally. And so celebrities would just come and get up on stage and, you know, do their bit and stuff like that. Or some comics creators would be rounded up to do a, a panel that had been announced a couple of weeks in advance or whatever. And I really helped kind of structure that a little bit more and make sure that we had moderators and we arranged for a backstage area so the celebrity could be announced to a big fanfare and come out and get a big round of applause. And then as the show grew, suddenly we had two tracks of programming and then we had 
four tracks of programming. And then I think last year, and I started to hand off responsibilities for this. At that point, we had like nine tracks of programming. Uh, and it just becomes a exponentially bigger job. As so many things running a comic book convention do as you start to grow in size. It's just, it's not, uh, you just, there's so much more complexity. Uh, so I, I just grew with the show, and uh, my background is in uh, marketing and database marketing, social media. So as we grew also, we needed that, and I've, I've done more on the, on that side. I've stayed involved until this year I've, with the programming. I, I'm nearly completely out of the programming element of that uh, other than helping get the program guide together. That's what I was doing right before we got on the call It's just furiously typesetting all of the event listings uh, for for all of the programs and stuff. Oh, speaking of, um, is has it been released yet online? The uh, the panel, the panel uh, schedule. Schedule. Yes, we do actually have the schedule up under our events heading in okay. the on the website. Um, it's mostly final. Uh, we've had some last minute kind of rearranging of things, so uh, people can can watch that. Also, we're we're getting ready to do a big push on the mobile app. So a great thing for people to do if they're coming to the show is go to iTunes or Google Play. Uh, and download that app. Uh, it is out there right now for uh, for people who are loading it for the first time. Anybody who loaded it last year on the Apple side, we're still kind of fighting through a last minute thing there. That's not having the uh, the app isn't fully updating uh, with the new version. So um, that's supposed to be fixed by tomorrow. Or if you're just desperate to get it in your hands, you can always delete last year's app and reinstall on on iTunes. Uh, and then it works just great. Uh, but uh, get that app. But we do have the panel schedule out there. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm just excited to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> How can we make the time go by faster? Yeah. I know. I think I'm... 18 days <laughs> but, or something like that. Yeah. Now, so okay, I, I will, as a parting shot here, I'll share a couple of favorite stories with you. Perfect. Uh, cool. So I am. Um, I had the opportunity to moderate the Karen Gillan Doctor Who Guardians of the Galaxy Q&A two years ago. Uh, we were looking for a moderator for that panel. And it's like, okay, I've got this person doing that. I got that person. My wife's like, you should do it. And I had not moderated a panel for like five years because I was just too busy. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So it was cool. Got to interact and had some fun adventures with Karen behind the scenes. At one point, I was, I was her, her cousin Caitlin Blackwood, who plays young Amy Pond on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. was also at the show that year. And I was leading them from Caitlin's panel down to Karen's panel. And I just kicked myself later on because I, I don't know how much you guys watch Doctor Who. But I'm oh, like, yeah. I had the perfect opportunity to say, come along, Ponds. And it didn't <laughs> occur to me until after the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but we had, we had Karen on, on, on stage, and I had my son's fez. Uh, up there to pull names out of a hat and ask her kind of a lightning round set of questions. And as we were doing audience Q and a, one of the people in the audience said, put on the fez. So Karen Gillan wore my son's fez and we had arranged then for Caitlin to do a surprise appearance the last five or 10 minutes of the the thing and get up on stage as well. And I look over at one point and then Caitlin's wearing the fez. Uh, so <laughs> we then took my son's fez later on and had, had Caitlin and Karen both autograph that. Uh, so that's kind of just a special kind of thing to be able to interact with you know performers that you like that way and i i told caitlin this and i'm in all seriousness my favorite doctor who companion is amelia pond not not amy amy's great 
Amelia's better, and so Caitlin Blackwood is my favorite Doctor Who companion, oh, and it was cool. it was cool to see her. the The other uh, fun story that I have um, is um, yeah, my my daughter was doing some of the escorting. She was nineteen, twenty, something like that, maybe even a little older than that. But she was escorting some of the celebrities to their panels, um, and so her job was she was like. Talk to my wife. It's like, well, I'm just nervous about this. What do I do? My wife's like, you know what? They're just people. You have the same conversation with them. You would with anybody who's not from Kansas City. You know, talk about whether it's their first time in Kansas City. Maybe you recommend some of the good barbecue restaurants and stuff, which was fine. So that was her plan. I'm going to talk about barbecue. She came back from escorting Michael Dorn and Marina Sirtis to their panel. She comes back to my wife with her eyes wide, and she's like, Nobody told me that Klingon is a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That yeah, it turns awesome. out the barbecue recommendations didn't go over so well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminds me. I've been to Kansas. I mean, growing up in Nebraska, I've been to Kansas City numerous times. Nova, have you ever been to Kansas City before in your life? No? No, I haven't been to very many states. Oh, sir. In general, so. Bar- Kansas City Barbecue <laughs> is the best. Oh, God. Kansas City I'm Barbecue all for is it. good. Well, right. So, and you can have a whole, you can spend a whole summer here just going to different barbecue <laughs> restaurants. That is true. So, uh, of, of I'm not a vegan, so. Right. All for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you can run, there's all kinds of trendy ones. I mean, there's uh, there's uh, Chose Kansas City and Q39. Kind of the standby kind of family dining jack stack. Uh, the old guards like Arthur Bryant's uh, and uh, Zarda and um, Gates and oh, it's just yeah. Uh, Kansas City barbecue is amazing. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm spoiled for barbecue anywhere else in the world. So uh, it's like I just can't eat barbecue if I'm not here in town. Awesome. Well, sir, thank you very, very much for coming on and <clears throat> excuse me, discussing Planet Comic Con with us. Uh, like I said, me and Nova are, are definitely going to be there. We're very, very, very excited, and uh, hopefully we run into you and we can say hi God. in person as well. You will recognize me as the guy with a panicked expression on his face who's running past <laughs> at, at top speed. So I do hope we get to meet up. It'll be great to see you guys. Uh, you know, sure. Uh, come back to the show. Come this year and come back every year. I think you'll oh, have a great yeah. time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, all right. Well, thank you once Thanks, again, man. and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All thank right. you. Have a good one. That's a wrap on another fun podcast. Thanks for joining us. But the comic fun doesn't stop here. Check out Four Guys in a Comic on our YouTube channel. You can watch our comic reviews, hilarious pulling ads, and comic hauls, among other comic hijinks. We're also on Twitter. We love talking to our fans. Drop us a line anytime. Not enough for you? We got your back! You can hang out with us on Instagram and Facebook, too. If that's not enough for you, we got a special deal for you. Comic Bento is offering our fans a special deal with 15% off. That's right. Use the link in the notes for 15% off a Comic Bento subscription. And if you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Stay awesome, friends.